0: Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we talk about the news from a sort of coffee table that spans multiple continents. That's the wonder of the internet. This is show number 17 for September 26th, 2009. And I didn't say 26th properly, but that doesn't matter. Hello and welcome to the Fidesz Club My name is Patrick Beja I am your host And this is the show, as you just heard Where we talk about the news Political, international, and so on From uh, different countries, different cultures Different people But we generally have a good time I have two wonderful hosts with me today The one, of course, that you all know Turkey from Saudi Arabia Uh, I've missed you, Turkey How are you doing? I'm doing good yeah, got you a lot of a
1: news little... going on here in Saudi. A lot of what? A lot of news going on here.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to talk about this uh, in a few in a few minutes. Um, yeah, so we haven't I haven't spoken to you in what what is it like two months? It, it's weird. Now you're you're in the show all the time, so when you're not, it feels like something's missing.
1: Yeah, I I, I listened to your last show dude, are you trying to gross us or what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jen, so you you, I don't know if you've heard the the previous show it was a show called Girls for Dummies and To that one. You did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. awesome. So let me introduce you first, and then you will tell us what you thought of the show. I hope it's going to be good. Uh, Jen is from Florida, uh, and she's joining us for the first time today. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great.
0: Awesome. <laughs> um, you. So you listened to the show. What did you think? As a woman,
2: I thought it was fantastic. Um, just here, especially you know, there's all sorts of stuff that women are generally not supposed to talk about in situations about our bodies and our bits and stuff like that. And it was great to just hear conversations like, Oh God, I totally understand that. That is totally how it is for me. And yeah, so that was great.
0: Awesome. Cool. I have Jen's seal of approval. Hopefully. You know, there was so much more I wanted to talk about, but I forgot half of it, and then there was not enough time. But I think Gita and and, uh, and Kelly uh, did a great job. So if you haven't listened to it, and you are not, as I said in the show, a 12-year-old who's like, oh, gross, I don't want to hear about that, then you can go listen to it, and you might learn a thing or two. Um, and we have the chat room, of course, who is uh, here with us today. Hi, chat room. Thank you for being here on a Saturday most, uh, mostly morning, I'm guessing, for the people in the US, but maybe there are some people from other places too. Thanks for being here. We might call on you for uh, advice and opinion during the show. And just so you know, um, we, ha- we were supposed to have another person with us today. Uh, my friend Kerwin, well, actually, uh, Jen knows him too. Uh, That's the person who introduced us. Kerwin is uh, in London at the moment, and he might be lost in the tube, as they say. (laughs) Um, He is supposed to be joining us, but we don't know where he is. So hopefully he will be joining us during the show, maybe. And if he doesn't, then it will be for next time. Uh, So this is a return to the regular show, and we are going to be starting with... The international stories, and there are a couple of uh, things I want to tackle. But first, before we go into a full blown uh, story, I want to mention something about swine flu because it's now full and this is the season for swine flu. And I'm very surprised that, at least in France, we're not freaking out, meaning we have, you know, PSAs, uh, so public service announcements, and the government has lots of. Little masks th- things that they have reserves and uh, vaccines and stuff like that, but people are not freaking out, so I want to know if possibly more in the u s the the news are are managing to get everyone up in arms and uh, panicking
2: surprisingly enough um, no it 's kind of strange what? the um, There are cases of swine flu even here in Florida actually it 's a bit of a hotbed for swine flu i 've got People I know personally that have come down with it. But um, it, Wait, there seems... Is,
0: is, do you think that can be transmitted through the internet? Because I'm not wearing a mask.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I'm willing to bet somewhere that it can be. And that'll be the end of it all. Um, but yeah, so the... Um, I actually, yeah, I've got friends that have come down with it. And, you know, I happen to have a job that puts me at risk because I work as a teacher. But it just seems to me that, it's, that a lot of people just sort of decided that this was a a hoaxy sort of blow up that happened way back um, when it came out in the spring when the news originally broke. And I think that there's been a lot of sort of backlash towards that to just say, oh, this isn't a big deal. But I do think that there is, it's starting to show up a little more and more in the news, things about the flu vaccine and um, Tamiflu, it turns out, being an ineffective or somehow a harmful vaccine to use for swine flu and things like that. So it's starting to show up again where people, now we're in the season where we're getting vaccinated and things. But, hmm. surprisingly but people are being
0: reasonable. That's uh, weird.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it is very strange.
0: <laughs> Surpri- Especially not- in the U.S., um, yeah,
2: it's it's early days yet, though. Give it till October, you know, end of October, <laughs> then we'll see where we're at.
0: <laughs> By then, people will will probably start freaking out.
2: Yeah, uh, it'll be like stars all over again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Turkey. What about Saudi Arabia? Do you even have the swine flu?
1: Oh yeah, it's a huge deal here. The swine flu. We have, we we even have uh, classes, the schools have been delayed, the opening for the next semester, and basically really? because yeah, because uh, Yeah, they pushed the classes back because they just wanted to educate the uh, teachers before they started.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. But uh, people, so it's a big deal or it's a big deal and people are freaking out and, you know, what is this strange illness that's playing?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, there are a lot of people freaking out. There's some people who don't even care about it like me. No big deal, just another flu. (laughs) And there's those who are just freaking out like crazy and uh, making a huge uh, deal out of it. And basically because we just have so many cases here, because we have the whole pilgrimage thing of Mecca, and we get a lot of foreigners, and that just uh, resulted in uh, a huge spread of the flu.
0: Right, you were telling us about this uh, a a couple of months ago, actually
1: yeah so it's 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 really a big deal uh the deaths uh, cases are not really helping people relax, and apparently most people don't even know that people are so for them <laughs> it's complete shock that someone is dying, so yeah,
0: okay. Uh, by the way, Kerwin joined us, and he was actually messaging me like crazy uh, a few minutes ago. But on the, on, I wasn't looking at the right account, so it's my fault. Kerwin, are you with us? I think so. Yes, you are. Victory! <laughs> it works. It's alive. How are you doing, my friend?
3: I'm pretty good. All right. I have uh, to so make my apologies on behalf of Skype and Transport for <laughs> London.
0: <laughs> That's quite all right. Um, So, I did introduce you while you weren't there, but uh, I think you never met uh, Turkey, but you do know Jen, so we're going to skip the long introduction uh, and dive directly into the question, which is, are the British freaking out about swine flu like everyone should, but no one apparently is?
3: Uh, That's interesting. I can give you a personal account of that. Oh, my God. Do you have swine flu? No, but I've been tested for it in London. What? I've been tested for it. So uh, when the first uh, confirmed cases arrived in the UK, then there started to be notices going up all over the university where I was studying at the time. Uh, Every lift well in particular had these large laminated notices about how to wash one's hand and how to cover one's face when one sneezes and things like that.
0: We actually have those in 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 the offices in France too. So, but that's that's good measure. That's good. It's not.
3: Uh, yeah. So, but on one of my exams, I came struck down with a very strong fever, and because I didn't want it to affect my marks, I needed to get a, a form of mitigating circumstances, a medical certificate, things like that. So, I eventually made my way to one of the hospitals here, one of the emergency rooms. And when I presented myself and I told them that I had run a fever, she immediately wrote down flu-like symptoms on her board and she pushed a little uh, gas mask uh, through the porthole and she told me to put it on immediately and then she sent me to a separate part of the waiting room.
0: Oh, you were quarantined?
3: Well, I was quarantined as far as the emergency room goes. But then as I was there... As I was sitting, waiting, and everyone walked past, uh, all the patients who walked past who saw me with the gas mask got a little bit concerned. <laughs> but there are these three doors in wait, front of me. W-
0: wait a second. When you're saying gas mask, is it like an actual thing that provides <laughs> gas, gas mask to might be you the wrong...
3: Or? No, okay, gas mask is Surgical the wrong mask. word. Surgical mask. Okay. Surgical mask. All right. Yeah. Yes.
0: I, I was having a funny picture of you, of you in my <laughs> head, but...
3: No, okay, m- my thing was just like a little paper filter. Right, okay. However, as I was sitting... The sliding doors parted in front of me, and out from the uh, examination room came a woman clad head to toe in blue plastic with a real gas mask on. I'm talking filter canisters on the side of her face.
0: Wow, like uh, hazmat suit type stuff. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And that's
3: how I was inspected. (laughs) <laughs> so I would say that the general public is not particularly alarmed, but the hospitals might be going a little bit overboard.
0: Oh, as long as you know they're taking the necessary necessary pre- precautions and yes. not freaking out. Which, anyway, that's just a couple of words I wanted to to ask you guys about because I was just surprised that we're not freaking out, and apparently no one is freaking out. So I wonder why the, the world is suddenly taken by this strike of of uh, reasonableness it's very strange
1: well i might oh, say basically, one country. basically because just people uh, like me going out to people and explaining to them for god's sake it's only a flu and there's more people who died from the regular flu than the swine flu till this day i guess Stop so but boring. that's never
0: stopped people for from freaking out you know being reasonable <laughs> is not the strong suit of uh, the media in general but <laughs> I was going
3: to say the other country where uh, the response is a bit stronger is the Philippines because I was spending a lot of time in the Philippines uh as it was as the swine flu was breaking out government officials in any department, are not allowed to see a foreigner until they've been in the country 10 days. The idea being that if the person uh, has gone through 10 days within the country without having brought any symptoms into the country, they're safe. And I was needing to meet with a number of government officials, so that actually delayed a number of my appointments. And going into a lot of large office buildings, we, we were getting how um, temperatures checked on the way really? into the building. Yeah, just two just office buildings, like the, the headquarters of San Miguel
0: Breweries, for example. So my question the, would be, how do you get your temperature checked? Uh,
3: a couple of ways. There <laughs> were, in some of the offices and even the condominium that I was staying in, there are handheld temperature scanners. They say, excuse me, sir, can you please look into this? Or they point the scanner to your forehead. And I guess it's a laser scanning the forward regions or heat sensor that reads All the. Right.
1: Well, in, I uh, was
0: I was being facetious. I wasn't actually <laughs> <explain>, expecting an <laughs> no, answer, <fine>. but.
1: <laughs> well, I think I know exactly what you wanted to hear. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you? Thinking? <laughs> oh. I, I wonder what they're gonna do with their president. She, she was just here, so what are they gonna do to her when she's back? Really. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe maybe she's going to have to
0: be in a contain- she- un- containment unit for ten days.
3: Yeah, I think it'd be fine if she didn't speak to any government officials for a few days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the other big uh, story, which is surprisingly not as big as I expected it to be. And then we'll talk about uh, Pittsburgh and the G twenty. Um, let's mention the nine uh, eleven uh, anniversary. <clears throat> slash Afghan war and Afghan election um, that happened in the past month. So I'll, I'll start. I guess France is not the biggest uh, place for nine eleven celebration. Well, not celebration, but uh, commemoration. <laughs> but I was surprised at how little we heard about it. It was barely mentioned. There was no uh, special... Um, uh, reports on TV or, you know, look back on what happened, why, how, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, The 9-11 is almost a non-event. It, well, it was this time, at least. And I, I realize it's not, it's probably going to come back on, for the 10-year anniversary and uh, it's going to be brought back at some point. But it seems like we're almost over it here in France, at least. So obviously, this is not the U.S. Uh, it might be different there, but in France, it was a very small deal, and I, it was surprisingly small. Um, very quickly, uh, Kerwin and Turkey. How was it for you guys, uh, Kerwin? First, I guess.
3: Uh, if you well, I don't think it made a peep in Britain either. Uh, Although I have to say, I I happened to be in Paris on that particular day. You're such
0: an international man of mystery. (laughs) Philippines, Paris, London. Sorry, yes. Can you say groovy? Groovy. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right, so not a huge deal for... I I don't
3: think it was a huge deal in England at all. It's not been mentioned at all.
0: All right. Uh, I guess Turkey, uh, it's always specifically different in in Saudi Arabia, but...
1: Oh, yeah, sure. We had a huge parade, a carnival, a whole celebration. <laughs> uh, I, I think we, we probably mentioned
0: it uh, before, but I have the memory of a goldfish. So what's your stance, official and people? I know it's always different for, for you guys in Saudi Arabia uh, regarding 9-11 and the attacks in, on, on, on uh, the World Trade Center.
1: Oh there's officially uh, it might have happened, but uh, you shouldn't blame the entire country. Those were people who were tricked into doing this that stuff, and they were educated and trained outside of Saudi Arabia, so you can't really blame saudi so the the the,
0: the the government and the officials distanced themselves very clearly.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's kind of a fact. I guess uh, give bring facts that all of these Saudis who were part of these whole uh, terrorist acts were uh, uh, taught outside of Saudi. They didn't really get all of their uh, terrorist uh, education here. So, of course, yeah, and of course, all of their leaders were not Saudis, basically. So, uh, so uh, unofficially. Uh, it depends on who you talk to. And I opinions. think
0: that's going to be your, your catchphrase. It's the yeah, one you, well, well, you use because the most. Beca-
1: <laughs> beca- beca- no, because I understand. It, because I understand. That's, 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 that, those are facts. And it's it's really difficult to give an opinion about a majority of people when everybody has a different opinion. But overall, there's, only, there's basically two main uh, ideas, which is one, this whole thing is a lie. Hmm. Uh, either uh, the whole thing is a lie or... People who think like me, it all happened, but for me personally, I believe the US government knew it was going to happen, they just let it go along. So, you have those opinions, and then you have the opinions that say, Well, uh, they deserved it, the Americans deserved it. So,
0: is that a, a strong, uh, you know, thought or opinion in the country, or is it marginal?
1: Uh, i would I would say, like maybe twenty percent, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, although even within those twenty percent they would say they ask for it, but they wouldn't really support it, so mm. you have this whole thing, you know what? it happened, the Americans were asking for it, they deserve it, but they they don't go out and say, Well, I support this, we should do more." Or something like that. They just understand it and accept it. They, they
0: understand the idea that uh, the yeah. American were provoked it by their impi- uh, empirical, uh, sorry, I mean the empire-like actions. Yes. And to be honest, there are those, even in France, and I, I guess, you know, it's a common uh, idea ar- around the world, that think in, uh, along the same lines. Uh, they might be a lot less uh, uh, numerous in France, but they do exist. Um, all right, the big, the big uh, uh, part of the story now in the U.S. was it? How was it? Uh, again, I'm going to say celebrated. God, I'm te- I'm terrible. Uh, Jen, how was it? Uh, uh, how did you live the 9/11 uh, anniversary? Hello. Oh, uh, apparently Jen isn't here anymore. Let me bring her back.
1: What did you do to her, Patrick? I didn't do anything. Yeah, right. Like, I don't even know you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. Uh, Kerwin, are are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Uh, Can I do it like this? I think I can do it like this. I think that might work. It's ringing. But she's not here. She's not answering. What's happening?
3: She's not uh, allowed to talk about how it was commemorated uh, in the U.S. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So it was, uh, she, she, she went offline. I, I'm guessing she's going to come back, uh, hopefully soon. But until then, maybe we can talk about the uh, Afghan uh, election and war. And because, you know, it goes along with the... Uh, oh, there she is. She's coming back. Okay. So, she's back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we were, we were just uh, uh, asking how the 9-11 uh, events uh, anniversary went in, in the U.S. Because, obviously, it wasn't a big deal for the th- the, the three of us.
1: Stop asking her. They're just going to disconnect her again.
2: (laughs) Obviously, somebody doesn't want to hear my answer. Um, No, I think it it was actually less this year than in previous years. I think part of that just has to do with the fact that we have a new administration that's not sort of making that their badge of honor. Um, So that in some ways kind of controlled the conversation a bit. I think part of it is that it has started to really steep into our history now as just something that is part of our identity. And so it's not as, we don't spend as much time as a culture kind of mulling over it and, you know, sort of tearing our hair out, asking why did this happen to us? I think it's now become part of our own identity. and I think you're right, and part of this is that in 10 years, of course, so I think we're going to see some some really major stuff. I mean, there was news coverage. I didn't see, like you were saying, I didn't see a whole lot of um, remembrance um, television shows. Like it, it used to be that you couldn't turn the TV on without some big, huge remembrance coming on. And I'd say this time it only saturated about 50%
0: compared oh, to so previous... Oh, so that's still pretty significant, though.
2: It, it is, um, but I think that that's going to be something that, I mean just as america that's we like to sort of have things to rally around and that's going to be one for quite some time but i did notice it markedly less than in previous years i mean part of this also was that i had been out of the country for a few years and then and then came back and it was definitely a lot less than when Mm. from before i left
0: the us so 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 you're not over it yet but maybe my feeling is that we're going to get another uh uh spike for the ten year anniversary and then we will, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in that situation. And I think also, like um, like Turkey was saying, he raised a good point. It is, we, we do have sort of two very different feelings around 9-11. We, it's, you know, we're very stratified as um, in our public opinion of it. And so you're going to have a lot of people, I think, that are clinging to this 9-11, especially now as we seem to be moving in a slightly more progressive direction politically. And so you're going to see a lot of the country start, flaming, you know, sort of fueling that flame from the other side. Um, but at the same time, uh, there is a, the, the more progressive side of the country is more interested in moving on and solving a lot of the really pressing issues. I mean, there was something going around about how 9-11 killed about 3,000 people, but more than that die from lack of access to health care and that right. sort of thing. So there are people that have a little wider view and people who are going to want to Go back and cling to that in order to avoid that wider view. I think.
0: <laughs> so you you mean to say that uh, the maybe the healthcare debate is is taking the the fire away from uh, from nine eleven? Yeah,
2: I think the healthcare debate on one side of it, and I think on the other side of it, the um, this conservative backlash against Obama um, and the. Just, the, it's you know, we've sort of lost a compass as to having what a real debate is in a lot of ways in this mm. country with the way the conversations have been going. And so I think 9-11 is, it's just, it's a piece of historical fact now, and it's not being leveraged politically like it was in the past. Right. Um, so, Yeah.
0: Uh, Shireen in the chat room is saying something interesting. Uh, he or she, I'm sorry, uh, is saying, I think Ob- the Obama administration might make 9 11 a federal holiday by 2011 in time for the election. Um, hmm. that, <laughs> that should happen. It would be an interesting move, but uh, that would definitely cement it as a part of your history, as you were saying. Well, um, Americans definitely don't need more holidays. <laughs> they have less <SSSid> than işte we do yeah they, yeah, they yeah, we need don't, a do a lot of follow-ups.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, we need more holidays. We need actual (laughs) holidays that are just for the sake of, hey, you know what, you don't have to work that hard. That would be better.
1: (laughs) Oh, come on, are you trying to turn European there? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely
0: not. We can see that with the healthcare debate, or if you can call that a debate. Um, But let's talk about uh, the Afghan war for a minute. With the election uh, in Afghanistan, and with wild claims of uh, irregularities in, in the election, it was a time at least in France for maybe not reconsidering, but reflecting on the uh, tenets of the afghan war and You know Iraq is pretty much done for now the the The, the troops are being retired, and well of course it 's going to take a lot of time, and it 's still a very important issue, but it 's we're sort of in the uh, downside of the of the huge uh, mountain that it was. Mm-hmm. And the Afghan war is still going on. And in France, we had a, a few soldiers uh, who fell in the Afghan war in the past months. And the feeling here is that it, we had to question it again. But generally, the feeling is the Afghan war is still the good war. And the Taliban's are getting stronger and stronger again. Um, but we it, and there's not a feeling that we can actually win it in in by any sense of the of the word. But we still need to be there and prevent the the Taliban for ta- from taking a, a complete hold of the country like they d- they did before 9 11. So, however adverse we were to to the Iraq War. The Afghan war is still considered, you know, the one that we should be doing and that we should be redirecting our resources to, even when some soldiers are actually die in there. Um, and I know that Obama was taking a lot of flack for not taking the people out of Afghanistan as he did for Iraq or as he laid out the plan for Iraq, um, is it is it how is it seen today, the Afghan war? In the US Um
2: In the US public opinion is fairly strong in support of the Afghan war. However um the political thought about how to carry out that Afghan war is really split. And Obama is really between a rock and a hard place, basically, because he can either, I mean, he's, he's basically coming up to a situation where he's going to have to make a decision, and that's going to be within the next couple of weeks. We're really going to be seeing an actual plan laid out, and he's deciding whether or not to put more troops in there or to start pulling out. And it's pretty much a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't situation politically for him um they've got on one side you've got um support for on, on especially on the republican side you have support for putting more troops in there um and you have on the democratic side support for pulling out um and there's valid arguments actually for both sides of it but he's basically stuck um and i i probably predict that he's going to be continuing to pursue it it is still like public opinion does consider it i guess quote-unquote a morally justifiable war to be in so um, it's not
0: iraq it's not, it's not being locked in with uh
2: yeah it's not being lopped in with iraq and i mean for the most part most i mean this afghan war has been going on longer than the iraq war but it has been off our radar um pretty much until just this year You know, so it's like we we haven't even really been giving much thought to the Afghan war. Everyone was thinking, oh, things are going fine over there. They must be fine. And people weren't realizing that it just, you know, that place has been falling apart Um, because all the all the attention was focused on Iraq. And um, whether that's because we actually have more money invested in Iraq and we, you know, all that sort of stuff that's going on there, it's it's hard to say. But the. um, Now that Iraq is definitely waning, as you were saying, it's definitely coming down the hill and it's coming off the radar more, we're starting to realize, oh, there's this huge mess that's probably a bit more reaching in its implications than Iraq was. It's hard to say, but yeah, it's just only recently joined or gotten back on the radar this past year.
0: Right. And, and it's pretty unwinnable. It, there's not, yeah. no way to make it to bring it to a point where you can say, all right, we've fixed Afghanistan. Now we can go home. So yeah, rock in a hard place, as you were saying.
2: Yeah. And it's I mean, it's never been a winnable place to be. No one's yeah. ever been able to handle that. And, you know, it's a land war in Asia. So, can you say?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Kerwin, what about the UK?
3: Uh, I think one of the issues that has come out of it recently in the UK is that there's a grassroots motion in the Labour Party uh, to try and convince Gordon Brown to pull troops out of Afghanistan um, unilaterally. Uh, mm. It's 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 uh, the the whole the whole policy the whole. Um, UK policy in Iraq and Afghanistan has been seen by the population as uh, part of the, the Tony Blair and Gordon Brown premiership's uh, coalition with the US government and really has no connection with uh, what the Labour Party believes or what the, the people in the UK believe in general.
0: Uh,
3: as far so as they want
0: to do away with the Afghan war? They, they're thinking, okay, now we're done in Iraq, we have to be done in Afghanistan also. in Afghanistan also?
3: I don't think they're making that connection. I think they, well, it's not that they say that we're done in Iraq or we're done in Afghanistan. I think they believe that the UK is fighting a US war, not a UK war. And there's no reason for British soldiers to be dying in (coughs) Afghanistan. And they should simply be brought home.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I guess it's not the exact same case in France. We don't see it maybe because we were strong opponents of the Iraq war to begin with. Are there Uh, large French
3: troop numbers in Afghanistan?
0: I don't know if you can say large, but they've been there from the start and they're seen as justified. Mm -hmm. I guess that's a major difference. Not justified in the sense that we're fighting alongside the U.S. It's sort of almost like we should be there no matter what. Even if the U.S. wasn't there. Well, we wouldn't be there if if the U.S. wasn't there. I'm not saying we're deluded like this, but it's it's a a justified uh, conflict in and of itself. And the fact that the U.S. is implicated in it has nothing to do with it. To an extent. Uh, Turkey, anything uh, about this? Or you've been very silent.
1: I'm worried. Well, um, there's not much here about Afghanistan other than just... normal news coverage of the whole situation since right. it doesn't really affect us that much so there's not that much of interest unlike Iraq where we have borders there's a whole movement of terrorists between the borders and so on so for us Afghanistan is kind of far far away his place
0: so sort of irrelevant for you guys
1: yeah, it's it's just general news. We just watched the general news. What happened? There was elections. There's a problem with the elections. There are some bombings here and there, but it's not like something people are keeping track of or keep making a big deal of. All right,
0: last topic in the international stories, and maybe some things, uh, something that the uh, Saudis care a little bit more about. That's the uh, G20 summit in Pittsburgh, which. Was fairly surprising, at least to me personally, because uh, it when it started there were two main tenets of the uh, of the summit. The first one was uh, the ecological issues and the re- reduction of uh, emissions, uh, carbon emissions, for the the you know on a worldwide scale, <coughs> which hasn't really evolved too much at this point. And the second one was the um, reforming of the world economy. And we started from a place that was they are never going to get anything done about this. And two things they wanted to get done was one, um, the tax heavens, they wanted to get rid of these. When I say they, it was mostly the F- France and Europe wanted to go there and have their plan uh, accepted by everyone else. So it was tax heavens, And uh, bonuses for traders and bankers and people like this. And a few days ago, we were thinking they are never going to get anything done. And uh, two or three days ago, we were floored to hear that they got a a plan together, signed and accepted by everyone. A little bit on the shy side for the Mm -hmm. uh, tax havens. But things like... um, Switzerland, for example, which is quite important for us, are, have accepted to uh, open their books, basically, f- when it's necessary, uh, you know, required by law, when uh, when they would keep everything hidden before. And the bigger thing is the bonuses, which is a huge symbol for us. Uh, they are going to regulate the bonuses of traders and bankers in a sense that will make them uh, not as reliant on immediate uh, success, so less risk-taking. They will uh, calculate the bonuses on longer periods of, I think, something around three years as opposed to quarter to quarter or semester to semester to semester, which seems like something that is going in the right direction. And again, like something that is completely unexpected. We really thought that they would not agree to it on on a worldwide, at least not the, the 20 countries. Um, so this came as a complete surprise to us. And we're, I have the feeling that although we're not... Uh, we don't have like childlike, childlike hopes that everything is going to get fixed in, in, you know, in three months. Mm-hmm. It's still something and something pretty significant. Um, so that's the way we're seeing it. Uh, let's start with t- Turkey.
1: Well, for us, the G20 is basically the only big deal about it—that we are members in it. So, <laughs> other than so saying, well, we're with the big guys now. So, yeah. So that, it's like you're you're
0: playing with the adults in the you're at the big poker table, and that's enough yeah. for you guys.
1: Yeah, for us, that's enough. We really don't care that much. Well,
0: do, do those changes we, affect you in any way, the the traders and? Uh
1: not really that much uh, what's uh so the economy is kind of unique it's it's one of the l- least affected economies of the world since the crisis happened so uh, it's kind of independent in its own self it doesn't really get that much affected the the most effect we get is with the currency uh, jumping because we're linked to the dollar so when the dollar goes down our currency goes down and when the dollar dollar goes up our currency goes up so beyond that there's really that, not that much interest in what's going on, because I think there's a few different reasons. One of them, of course, is our experience with the UN and the, so on and so on. It's just talk and talk and nothing comes out of it, so people <laughs> really don't bother anymore to worry about so do, it. Do, do totally. you liken
0: the G20 to the UN like it's just talk?
1: I think it's less. T- uh, it's more uh, uh, work done than the UN because this is all about finance. It's about money. People really want money. Countries want money. It's not about peace and war and uh, humanity and, uh, and oh, all that, that. crap. So, yeah, all of that. <laughs> so uh, crap, whatever you want. So when it comes to money, people do care much more. So, But uh, the whole thing is people really, really don't care unless they see something from the G20 that affects Saudi Arabia. That's the day they start to uh, keep an eye on it. Until that day, they just, well, we're just with the big twenty. Good for us. Hooray. (laughs) All
0: right. So I guess the the people uh, who are the most affected are going to be the people in Wall Street, hence the U.S. And we (laughs) were expecting the U.S. to fight this the most, even though Obama has been saying, you know, we need to change things. Um, Was it? I wonder if it was seen as a victory from the dirty socialists that we are in Europe. (laughs)
2: Uh, that remains to be seen because, you know, as much as Obama is going to make these promises, it's Congress that's going to have to carry these promises out. And so it's really going to come down. And he did actually, even though it was a sort of this idea of the regulations, it did, you know, both the U.K. and the U.S. were sort of pushing for lighter regulation of these caps. And I think they ended up winning out a bit on that argument in that they're basing it now on a percentage of the, um, the assets. Of the banks in question rather than a, a general, cap. yeah, rather than a hard cap, which was, I think, what France was looking for. Um, and that's partially because um, Obama knows that that, that stuff ain't going to fly back here, quite frankly. Um, it's kind of so sad, that, but.
0: Does it mean that in percentage it is going to fly?
2: um I think it's it 's going to be tough to make it work here in the u s unfortunately, and not because it shouldn 't work, but because the lawmakers that are going to be responsible for carrying this out are in the pockets of those people that they are trying to regulate at the moment and that's that 's justice
0: is that your feeling i 'm guessing you're you know you 're one of kerwin 's friends, so you 're probably fairly <laughs> liberal. Uh, yeah. Is that your feeling or do you think that the the, the, the people in general feel an uh, adverse reaction to, you know, the, the, the traders and the financial institutions? Is, is it I guess my question is, is it still uh, sore as, you know, the 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 crash that we knew was attributed to those people and they still feel like they were responsible and they should be disciplined or have we gone back to. Free enterprise, you know, we should be able to do whatever we want without government.
2: Yeah, it's a really schizophrenic conversation in in terms of how the U.S. sees it. Because, yes, there's a lot of moral outrage over the fact that, you know, this this sort of crisis came about. uh, There's a perception that it's completely out of our hands, um, if that makes sense.
0: Um, and, kind of, but
1: like
2: as, as well, basically as citizens, that it wasn't us that did it. It was these, ra- these bankers and these, these traders and these hedge funds and all that sort of thing that sort of brought the crisis about and that our, our behavior, our own personal fiscal responsibility would make no difference. So there's a bit of moral outrage that way, but on the other side of it, there is, um, right now, a lot of, um, tension around government regulation and big government and all this. And this is all part of that larger thing, whether it be healthcare reform and all these other sorts of things. So there's this real sort of, um, anti, there's a bias against having the government step in and regulate things at the same time. So it, this is just, it's kind of a tension thing that where people don't really realize that you can't have one without the other and these sorts right. of things, um, I do think that the people will generally be very happy to have some regulation in place. I think that the, you know, the 49% of the country that is all about the the idea of conservative um the the economic conservativeness which is that if you let the businesses regulate themselves people will be better off i think they're going to have some problems with it but the general populace i think after this crisis is will be okay with it but again i i think the carrying out of this whole thing by the lawmakers is really going to be the challenge
0: Mm. so basically it's not going to get done
2: I'll be really surprised to see if it gets done quickly and easily. I'll be very surprised to see it not be held up in Congress.
0: Um, Kerwin, you've been very silent. And by the way, guys, you can interrupt uh, me or one another. Feel free to jump in when you have something to say. But uh, Kerwin, you've been silent. What do you think of all this? We're just too
3: polite. (laughs) Uh, Um... I'm not sure what to think about the bonuses yet, because uh, again, like Jen, it needs to pass through legislation, and uh, as it stands, I don't Do think, think the banking culture has learned it's going to be an issue in the UK anything. also? Uh, I, th- I think it already is a little bit with the general public, but... Uh, and I don't see any uh, signs from the banking industry here that they've really learnt the lesson. I think a lot of the banking industry, a lot of bankers uh, kind of talk about the financial crisis in this strange detached way where it was this uh, strange accident, this calamity that uh, affected the country but not instigated by them in particular. They they kind of don't see any fault. It's a, No one could see this coming. And by the way they s- are the seriously, ones seriously going to be punished.
0: They are the ones who profited the most out of this crisis because when when the stocks were at their lowest they started buying like crazy. Like
3: sorry, I, which banks? So which who are you talking about? No, I'm talking case? about
0: traders in general, like people in the banking industry. I I have at least two or three, three friends who told me right. uh Personally, they knew that you know it was the lowest for you know the stock mar- market was at l- the lowest, and they th- started buying. And well, I just saw a story where they were saying that they are buying, they are selling now, and making a killing.
3: Yeah, well, but I would take that with a grain of salt. There are still a lot of traders who lost large sums of money. I think perhaps oh, sorry, individual. I, ba- I just individual ban- believe anything are-
0: I, I hear. <laughs>
3: <laughs> i think individual bankers and individual traders have uh, been smart and protected themselves and i remember 2 years ago talking to bankers here and there's a lot of talk about uh, running into g- moving all of their money into gold and moving how to move their money into various accounts so that they have um protection of the the guaranteed uh individual deposits the sorry the the deposit guarantee that the government was putting on individual bank accounts, they would be able to profit from that a number of times by having a number of bank accounts uh, and things like that. So I think that they have understood best how to protect themselves in general, but they have suffered largely as well. There have still been huge layoffs in the banking sector in this country. There are still a lot of bankers who have decided to give themselves an extended holiday. Uh, I think the difference between layoffs in the banking sector and layoffs, say, in the manufacturing sector is that bankers can afford to uh, spend a year out of work in a lot of cases, even people as young as myself, 25, 27 years old.
0: You're not a banker, though.
3: I'm not a banker, but (laughs) I uh, I must admit, despite my liberal inclinations, I do consort with a lot of bankers. It's somewhat (laughs) inevitable. It's the largest industry in this city.
0: Mm. Right okay
2: um i just wanted to say i think that the one of the good points you raised kerwin was just that the actual structural parts of the system that are really causing a lot of these problems are not being solved by this idea of capping bonuses for bankers that's really just kind of a show just to say we're we're slapping them on the wrist and we're going to make them feel bad you
0: know well it does it does prevent uh uh measure of risk taking which is the the heart of the the issue Uh, at least that's how I, i understood it if you're not looking for a quick win then you're going to be taking more precautions in your in your investments
2: but you can still get huge high yields on investments through high risk taking that you know this whole um credit swap Uh, the default credit swap schemes and things like that that are still built into the structure of the market right now that are completely unregulated, um, you can still get lots of bank from those kinds of activities. You're just not going to get an extra bonus on top of it for yielding on top for your company. And this is really, that's talking about bankers that are trading with a lot of the major, that are working for a lot of these major financial institutions. There are still smaller financial institutions that operate on those high risk schemes just to get the money from that yield.
0: Right, it does make sense. So, cool. basically, we're still all screwed. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted, yeah.
3: I wanted to talk about the G20 in a slightly larger sense, because in Australia, the G20 has been turned into a very big diplomatic event, or rather, the, the current uh, prime right, minister. Right, for, for,
0: for the people who didn't uh, notice it from your accent, you're actually originally from Australia.
3: Yes, mm. I am, but th- that was a long time ago. <laughs> But so, And I still follow the news quite closely in Australia, but Kevin Rudd, who's been the, the new Prime Minister for the last uh, year and a half, nearly two years, who really prides himself on his foreign diplomatic credentials. He was formerly the ambassador to China. Uh, he has been trying to sell the G20 as an incredible coup uh, for Australia's middle power diplomacy in the world the fact the thing that 's been decided, which is that the g twenty should be the world's head economic cooperation yeah. body, not the g seven yeah. um, so and and it's important for Australia not only that Australia is now part of the g twenty but also that australia's uh, two of australia's largest trading partners, India and China, are now in the G20. And on top of that, one of the most populous uh, neighbours and Australia's most important economic uh, uh, neighbour, which is Indonesia, is now part of the G20. So for Australia, it's not simply that their voice is being heard uh, at a much more systematic level in world governance, but also that in some ways the centre of economic power is formally shifting to the east. The G7 was very much a Eurocentric or a North Atlantic body. um, Mm. And the G20 uh, has Brazil, India, China, Indonesia, South Korea on board.
0: So basically it's a huge party in Sydney now.
3: Uh, it's not a huge party in Sydney. I think it's a huge party in the uh, in the Prime Minister's <laughs> office. I think Kevin Wright is, <laughs> is spe- specifically trying to sell it as this, and I and I think the uh, the rest of the country's um, journalism is is uh, agreeing um this fact that uh, this growing Absolutely. role is important for australia but well, but still trying to maintain just a middle power band we don't want to get our neck stuck out so far that we suffer another Bali bombing
0: well you know it's it's pretty significant also that as you were saying it's becoming the major economic uh, forum and i know it's a lot of people tend to mock these organizations as you know, Turkey was just talking about the UN and how all of this is evil and a, it doesn't work and it, no one cares anyway and does, it doesn't influence our lives. But on the scale of history, it does, I think it does good. And I've been saying this about the UN for a while. Um, and this pretty much shows that you were saying it's shifting the economic power to the East. Yes. It's, it's and that's true and that's, for lack of a better word, you you might call me a, a you know, hippie or something dreamer. But it is more fair. It seems more fair. Mm-hmm. You know that the world, the world's power, economic power, has shifted, and now it's being represented more fairly. And this is something that is is not obvious that you if you had a choice if we the people you know the the few countries that did have the actual uh, deciding power could help it, maybe it wouldn't have gone this way but it, it the the organization and the structure of these uh organizations are so that it does happen and it does move and it does become something a little bit more uh fair and even if it takes you know ten twenty thirty years, it does happen, and in the scope of history, thirty years is not that long.
3: I think it's true to say that it's more fair, but I think uh, it's not uncontroversial. I think the issue is not so much that these other countries get less power, sorry, get more power, but the fear that the existing G7 countries, UK, US, France, Italy, Germany, uh, get less power on the world scene. And when, mm-hmm. if the people in those countries start to feel that they're... Ec- economies are in any way being dictated to by the likes of Mexico or Turkey or uh, uh, or India, I think then that's when it will become a really populist issue.
0: Well, I think it's it's going to happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to be really Mexico or, Tur- or Turkey. It's going to be well, India, China. Well, just to, China pick, and, to yeah. pick a few. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And But I think it's going to happen and there are going to be adverse feelings in our old powers you know probably france germany uk first and then maybe even the us and others but my point is it is going to happen and the power maybe not is not going to shift but these countries are going to rise but what would happen in a different time would be a war to actually get hurt and you know grab the power and now it's getting getting dealed with in other forms that are more civilized and uh you know
3: good that's very yeah. true. I think right. a lot of this, these uh these world government organizations are still very experimental, and uh, I think it will take the world another hundred years, perhaps, to get used to it.
0: So maybe we will so get to a to to a world where we have a, a forum like in Star Trek, where people are <laughs> actually peaceful and have decided. You know, we're making I think fun it's of, of this. you're
1: such a dreamer. I, no, I, <laughs> but no, no. I
3: think it's possible, and I don't think it's unrealistic. I think that I think it's just it's a type of uh, political technology that we have to learn how to develop the the nation state system that we have, which some people might call the Westphalian system. And so the <laughs> Westphalian Treaty was the, mid, the middle of the 19th century, right? And, and it's taken, it took maybe 100 exactly. years. It took to the end of the World War II for the nation-state uh, as a real entity to become universal, the collapse of colonialism especially.
0: Exactly. I mean, the, the, it was very transitional in the, the, before World War II. And it came to that system after World, World War II when people started saying, let's get together and talk. And you know NATO and the UN and these bodies were started only fifty or sixty years ago, and yes. that's very, very recent, very new, and it's still in it, in its infancy. So, Turkey, you're being cynical. Why not one day have a wonderful world where everyone talks and no one fights?
1: How long have humanity been on this earth? Uh, let's say ten. And years. when? Okay, when were, were they all peaceful and loving? Well, that's my, 10, that's, that's, years. That's, that's my point. That's my point. It's human nature. It'll never happen. There's this whole <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> fantasy no, hey, will listen. Never let's,
3: it's also it's human let's, nature to improve its, it's lot. And statistically mm-hmm. compared to it the improves, current world population. It improves,
1: but it improves, but it will never be peaceful and in harmony. Hey, because listen, look, at, look at Europe.
0: People. Look at Europe. Uh what yeah. what the, the the European leaders did after World War Two. They said we are civilized people. We shouldn't be shooting each other anymore. Let's get together and talk. And that's what they did. And can you imagine today, with the economies being so intertwined, a, a, a war starting between, let's say, France and Germany, or France and 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 the UK, or France and and and
1: and. Well, uh, I'll Spain? remind you if it happens during your lifetime. <laughs> well, <laughs> All right.
2: It's also to be fair. I mean, you know, you're talking about sort of. These countries that are not in a crisis of resources or a cri- I mean, you know, European Union got together uh, being fairly rich countries and then slowly adding in the poorer countries to let them be richer too. But, you know, if you're looking around the world and you see where all the conflicts are centered, they're centered in places where, um, you know, resources are being just completely demolished and being pulled out of places and things like that, so I think the key word here is fair, and um right now we you know the conflicts are kind of coming down in places where there's more fairness i still think that we as a a western a generally western centric society we still have a lot to learn about how to be fair to societies that aren't built on the same models that we are and i think that's when we're going to start seeing a reduction of war and that sort of thing
0: i i would say we have to wait for them to catch up um and they are catching up at a rate that is unbelievable. I mean, look at China, look at India. They were medieval fifty years ago, and now they are. Patrick, basically there, there are a, a, six a, billion
1: people on this earth. Yes, Do you um, and think this this earth can handle six billion people, and that the, the resources are not going to be dwindling for these six billion. That will soon become seven, and eight, and nine, mm-hmm. and ten, and I then think, countries yes, are going to th- start fighting over the resources. I believe there is a way. Over I the believe there is there is a way.
0: Yes, I think there is a way that we can all. Uh, what you're saying, Jen, is very true. I mean, resources are definitely the the heart of of war. But I think there is a way that we can have enough resources for everyone and it's going to be I, a challenge but i think it's yeah possible.
2: i completely agree but when you you know you look at a country like america that consumes more than its fair share of resources of the world i mean we we have the resources in this world to feed everybody now but what it comes down to is distribution and and you know like in, you're looking at a country like america we would have to take on the responsibility of lowering our consumption and being you know choosing more the fair trade and all these other things that are going on and that's a huge cultural shift I think what's great is that we're laying political groundwork like the idea of what you're saying these countries these nation states coming together and forming organizations that are superior to the nation states that's fantastic but the cultural shifts that are eventually going to be necessary are huge (laughs) I think
0: I I agree but I think that it's not going to be that we have to Uh, Okay, uh, Bill, um, ah, Bill Maher says, if you asked Americans to save the world by putting down their remote control, like if putting down your remote control and having to get up to the TV to change the channel could actually save the world, they wouldn't do it. And I think that's partly true. Um, But I think that we're not going to have to. I believe that, you know, uh, be it through nuclear power, not nuclear, but nuclear <laughs> power and or solar power or whatever, we're going to have enough for everyone. Uh, I believe so. I, I hope that we're going to have enough water. I hope that the, the world doesn't explode. Uh, I hope that the, you know, climate change is not going to get the best of us. But I think it's possible. Will it happen? I don't know. But I think it's possible, well, and that we will r- rise everyone to the level of comfort. make sure
1: in. that it won't happen. Who sitting there and just hoping won't doesn't mean that it won't happen.
0: Hey, I'm I'm doing my part. I'm doing shows like this mm-hmm. to better understanding and comprehension among the, the the people
1: of the world. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I definitely agree that it could uh, happen.
1: I criticize people, that's what I <laughs> and mean.
0: that's what we like about you, Turkey. All right, uh, let's move on to another uh, issue that's related. I just want to clarify. Oh, yes. I
3: feel I need to uh, defend myself, or rather correct myself. The Treaty of Westphalia was 1648, not yeah. in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. uh, which means it won't take us 100 years to solve world government. It'll take us but 350.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's still reasonable in the 10,000 That's still attainable. Yeah. Well, we, we won't might be, be, here be around to see it. To see it. Oh, we yeah. might be. <laughs> We might, you know, there are people who believe that we are going to be able to reverse aging in like twenty years. So that's
2: right, transhumans and all that. Yeah,
0: yeah we might. Uh, so uh, local stories. Let's do one per person because we're we're already over the time that I thought uh, we would need. Um, one for France is a sort of depressing story, which is a carbon tax that the current right wing government is trying to put in place after. Years and years and years of everyone trying to say we need a carbon tax to incentivize the industries to, you know, burn less, you know, release less ca- carbon in the atmosphere and do something about global warming. Finally, we're proposing a carbon tax. And the parliament is basically threatening not to pass it because the 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 right wing is saying, well, it's not really what we need, but they're sort of falling in line with what the president wants them to do because the president Sarkozy is, you know, it's his party in power it, and it's right wing. And the left wing is sort of by principle saying we don't want that because God knows why. But all in all, what it comes down to is, it might not go through and i don't understand what's happening here because it's basically a tax that everyone agrees we need everyone in the country and everyone in the world says that's the kind of thing we need it might not be the exact amount that they think we need and it might not be you know the right way to do it exactly but it would definitely be a step in the right direction and a step that almost no one else in the Western world, except maybe those crazy Nordic people, uh, have taken.
2: Socialists, all of that.
1: <laughs> why, why, why are you yeah. so surprised, Patrick? You just passed the law, the three-strike three, three strike law for the internet. Yes. And you're I, surprised about uh, them not wanting to pass this one? Because it is a law that basically, the, the
0: reason why I'm surprised is, it, uh, it's a law that the left should have voted in. Because they are traditionally the more the, the people who are the more concerned with uh, that sort of thing. And now the president, who is from the right, is saying we need to pass this. So he has basically the vote of the right, and the left should be the ones saying, yes, we need that too. So we should come together and do it. And so it would be one of those rare occasions when people go,
1: okay, we actually need it, so let's go ahead and do it. And, and, how, and how are the saying, politicians going to be paid from the companies if they're going to vote against them?
0: Against the companies, you mean? Yeah. Well, well we, we, are, we don't have as big a, a lobbying issue in France as they have in the US. So it's not as big a problem. They could actually pass it. Now it's, it's just a reaction, I think, uh, of the left to the right on principle that they you know want to be against the right. But it might pass I anyway. But I, w- I would be ecstatic if it did because it would be as a French citizen saying we actually did something and I can feel good about this on a global level, but sorry, Jen, go ahead.
2: Oh yeah. I would totally support a carbon tax, but I think also uh, what usually happens whenever you're dealing with any situation where economies are tanking, um, it's very hard to push new legislation that is about taxing things, you know?
0: Well, they're (laughs) supposed to, to do, you know, compensation in income tax to change this. And, uh, and you know, in france we're not the shyest people about taxing stuff so yeah
2: okay. I, I don't <laughs> know i just it's just very my own little inf- cultural lens there <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's just also a, yeah it's
3: also a place where i don't think the business lobby in france is going to be particularly against the tax as you say it's not the business lobby in france isn't as strong but uh also I think it's fairly well-prepared for the introduction of a carbon tax. It's waiting for the government to institute it. There's a lot of wow. – uh, some, some of the largest companies involved in the logistics of recycling and things like that, such as Veolia, which are based in France. I think the, the French um, business is ahead of the politics, so I don't think that that's the factor.
0: Which is okay. why it's so frustrating that it, there's they're bickering so much. But yes. anyway, hopefully they will pass it through and I can tell you in a few months, we are leading the way in uh, fighting the global warming in France.
1: Uh, I thought Norway was leading the way. Yes,
0: well, okay. <laughs> they, they, they don't count. <laughs> All right, so that was me. I, I'm guessing you haven't even heard of this text. So let's just move on. To something else that's very enthousi- uh, I was very uh, happy about, which was what you told me about Turkey, um, what happened in Saudi Arabia in the past uh, few weeks.
1: Wow! Well, we have a lot of things that happened. I was talking, we'll
0: talking about, talk about the about university, but uh
1: university. All right, uh, that we we have a new university in Saudi Arabia, King Abdullah University of Science and Technology. Uh, It was inaugurated last Wednesday on the national day, the Saudi national day, on the same day celebration. And it's the biggest and one of the most advanced universities in the world. Uh, You can say you can compare it to MIT, hopefully. That's, That's the idea behind it. It's a graduate research university. Uh, It covers 32 kilometers. And the biggest news, which is apparently the feminist Patrick wants me to mention, is this is the first university in Saudi Arabia where genders are allowed to mix together in classes and in uh, the hallways, and where the veil is not mandatory for women.
0: Which is amazing. It's absolutely huge. I mean, I saw the pictures you posted on Twitter, Turkey. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, the extremists in the country are probably not going to be happy about this.
1: But oh, they're definitely not happy. Yeah. Gen- <laughs> so, Gen, but, but but this is a huge project, and it carries the name of the king, and it's uh, uh, done by the king himself, and organized by him, and it's his personal project. So uh he can do some things and many people and not many people can even do anything about it they can't uh, just sit there and go against the king so that's the difficulty also the whole university is a city itself so it ha- uh, and it's a fenced city so there is a limited access to it uh it's closed on itself but it's a very very nice place so that that kind of makes things a little easier uh, if it wasn't open university free access then we would really have some problems
3: is this a social experiment that will expand in any way or is this really kind of the exception that proves the rule is is uh, is uh, will well, there be any, any the other
1: moment- well, I would say this is an exception for the next, for the next at least minimum ten years. I, w- I don't expect any changes for at least ten years, uh, and that's an optimistic number. So. This will okay. be an exception for at least 10 years. And it's a very, very nice university. It's a, it's a huge deal here. Uh, Patrick is more interested on the feminist part. No, I'm not... more interested on, it, on the technology and science part. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge research university. We brought professors and doctors from around the world. Uh, 15% of the students are Saudi, only 15% there are uh, eight percent americans i think and there's about twelve percent chinese and there's about sixty five nationalities in this university and there are huge contract deals with huge companies around the world for research in that university and they got one of the fastest supercomputers in the world i think it's ranked number fourteen and the fastest in the middle east
0: well i I wouldn't say it, I'm only interested in the feminist side of it, although I think it's. I didn't very say important.
1: only. I said that's the most part you're yeah. interested.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a, it's a very important symbol, and a lot of people say, well, you know, I remember a few people commented on the blog and said, you know, you have to do it faster, and you have to to condemn the 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 countries where they treat women like this, or where they do this and that, and. It's We say again and again, it's not that easy and it goes slowly. And this is a definitely very important step in my mind uh, towards changing things. And you have to imagine it's not going to change things in two days or in one year or two years, as you were saying, Turkey. But yeah. it does influence the general social climate in the country when you have steps like this. And when the the king is showing such a strong message uh and, and you, the pictures you were showing were um, women and, and men colluding in classes with no veil and, and just talking to one another. That's pretty big.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah the veil is optional. And uh, Abdullah is mentioning, of course, that women will be allowed to drive in the, uh, in the campus area, in the uh, university town. Yeah. So that's another step for them.
0: And that's—it's th- uh, not going to change in two minutes, but it breeds a different generation. Is the most important
1: mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it, 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 it's a really big thing, and uh, the, the, and it's, it's it's such a huge project, and it's, there's so much interest in it from the king. It, uh, actually, they—it's a 32 kilometer area, and the entire university was built in three years. Exactly wow. three years he just announced it three years ago. I want the university three years later it's ready and it's launching
0: so that's what happens so, when you don't have rev- yeah, regulations. regular I remember that for- announcement.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, 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 there's no... Uh, uh, in this project specifically, yeah, because it's directly to the king. So yeah. every regulation is hitting the wall because nobody's going to say no. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and the uh, company that took care of establishing the university was Aramco, the Saudi oil company. And so Aramco has always been known as an open society at uh, their be- uh, they allow mix, uh, uh, gender mixes in their offices, in their uh, compounds, uh, women drive inside their uh, neighborhoods, uh, and so on. So, it's it's kind of the effect also of Aramco, and they're known for quality also. So, it's a really so big... Is, uh,
0: yeah, this is a, a beacon of, of hope in uh, in the Middle East, and hopefully we'll see more and more of those. Um, hey
1: patrick i'm already looking for a job i want to move there
0: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I certainly work... you can i'm sorry go ahead jen
2: oh no i used to work at mit so it'd be kind of like oh i could try and get a job out there <laughs> <laughs> live the good life in saudi arabia
0: <laughs> i suppose so i guess if you want to go in saudi arabia that's probably the place you want to be in
1: oh no, definitely it's, so it's, and you should you should see the pictures of the c- campus it's so high class, it's so nice, so beautiful. They have their own shoreline, it's on the Red Sea, they have their own marina. A lot Turkey, of you
0: ho- all, all, you need, all you need to do is refer them to this show, and certainly they're going to give you a job immediately. Yeah,
1: I'm sure. yeah and, uh, and they got uh, a theater there. I don't know if they're going to show <laughs> movies in it, or is it just mm-hmm. for the university, but we'll find out soon enough. So. Cool.
0: So let us know how it goes. I'm sorry, I know you had uh, more stories you wanted to talk about Turkey, but I think we're a little short of ta- on time.
1: Uh, well, I a- have one story that's important compared to this, okay, which is the so assassination attempt against a member of the royal family. So during the holy month of Ramadan, uh, uh, a terrorist uh, came and said he wanted to turn himself in, and he wanted to turn himself in personally to the deputy uh, uh, interior minister, who is a royal highness, and he's the son of the, uh, the interior minister, and he's the head of the anti-terrorist uh, movement. So he met with him, apparently, and the guy h- hid a bomb, excuse me, up his ass. Oh, wow. And, as as, and, and he went and he met with the prince. And as soon as he met with the prince, they hit the bomb and he blew himself up. Oh, my Apparently God. The prince, the prince was safe. Yeah. He only got a few very minor scratches and he only went to the hospital for a few hours and he just left. But this guy, and, and it's unbelievable the way the media here is sometimes unbelievable. They put the pictures and the videos on TV and on newspapers, and not all of them put a warning in, in the beginning.
0: You mean of the guy actually blowing himself up?
1: No, after he was blown up. Oh, okay. Of the guy in pieces. Oh, my God yeah wow. so you see a foot here uh, a hand there uh whatever different body parts and blood and it's unbelievable and that was a huge huge thing and it really in a way that was a uh, a very bold move from the terrorist and it's also one of the most stupid moves they ever did mm. the terrorists because that really uh because first of thing they did it during the holy month of ramadan uh, the, and the guy turned himself in, and he asked for amnesty and uh, to be safe, and the prince gave him the safety, so he betrayed his word. So it's really hurting the terrorists very, very badly.
0: Hmm. Well, it, we haven't even heard of this here. When when did it happen?
1: Uh, it happened during Romana, I think that's about 30 days ago.
0: Wow. Oh, maybe I was in the U.S., and... Uh and didn 't
1: no it wasn 't even here that big of a deal. they made it a big of a deal, but people completely didn 't really hang on to it too long, like it was for two or three days, and it just went down but uh, it it really hurt the entire movement for the terrorist movement here because the way they did it it really was horrible and unacceptable by many people it 's one thing to go and being a terrorist and blowing people, but to talk to someone ask. For, for your safety, ask to talk to them so you can turn yourself in and then just blow yourself. That's just crossing the line.
0: Mm. All right. Uh, that's a lovely story. Uh, maybe, Kerwin, you can uh, tell us something about uh, something that will make us uh, smile a little bit more.
3: Uh, I've got a story that so it may Dude, have a that happy ending.
1: About the- guy who blew himself up with different body parts. (coughs) Don't you play video games?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to comment on this.
3: Well, okay. the story that I have to tell in the Philippines, the biggest story in the Philippines these last couple of months, it has a sad beginning and hopefully a happy ending. But um, I might have to give you guys a bit of background. You might remember that the Philippines was for many years ruled by a dictator called Ferdinand Marcos. And he instituted martial law in about 1972. And in 1983, as an opposition movement was brewing, uh, uh, there was an exiled opposition leader called Ninoy Aquino, who decided to return from Boston to the Philippines. And as he descended from the plane, he was assassinated by a henchman of Marcos, it's believed. This basically... spent. uh, sent the Marcos dictatorship into a free fall. And in 1986, uh, a very strange gesture, Marcos just tried to hold a snap election, figuring that he could rig the ballots enough to show that he was still the democratic leader of the country. Instead, what happened is that there was a very close uh, victory by the wife of Ninoy Aquino. Her name is Cory Aquino. And uh, as marcos 's ministers saw the writing on the wall and they threw their lot in behind Cory Aquino. Marcos was forced to flee the country, so that was in 1986 Cory Aquino then uh, she 's a very devout Catholic woman. she instituted a lot of uh, constitutional reforms so that there would be so presidents would be limited to one term and a few other things. she was also she was criticized because she uh, did not do enough to break the uh, corruption that's endemic throughout the whole Filipino political and uh, economic system. All right, so the news that is uh, big in the Philippines at the moment is that I think it was in August, uh, Corey Aquino died. And there was a massive outpouring of grief across the country. The Philippines is still an extremely devout Catholic country itself. And uh, so Corrie Aquino's colour was yellow. There were yellow banners all over the cities. Every school, every town hall would have a a yellow banner with her photo on it. Her body was shown in... in, uh, it was shown in a, in a couple of places. It was shown in some of the pri- larger private churches and then shown in the Manila Cathedral. And then there was a funeral procession of some eight or ten hours uh, marked by a, a couple of million people in Manila. Manila is a city of 10 million people. The good news that comes out of it, after a, su- after a succession of quite corrupt presidents that have been democratically elected since 1986, the good news is that uh, there was a spontaneous uh, growth of support for her son, her, who is uh, Noi Noi Aquino. So the father is Ni Noi Aquino, the son is Noinoyakino. And Noi Noi Aquino has been a senator for many years. But he's always largely kept out of the limelight as much as possible. Uh, And he's got a reputation for being a good legislator, which is a rare thing in the Philippine Congress. But so there's now been this movement for him to run for the presidency next year. Uh, The leading candidates uh, to date, especially in his own party, the Liberal Party, the leading candidate uh, who was Ma Rojas, I think it was, decided that he would throw his support to, to Aquino, and Aquino finally announced officially his run for the presidency a couple of weeks ago. So what this means is that next year when they have the election, uh, there could be a massive a massive popular movement again, something which unifies the country, which it's desperately needed in the last few years. Uh, and there might be a competent legislator running the country, which would be a great thing for 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 my mother 's homeland,
0: so you mean it would uh, break the cycle of uh, have they been you know competent people competent presidents in the country uh, and not corrupt uh, people in the country since or is it you know, I, I
3: think it's basically gotten kind of worse and worse since Cory Aquino left. The, left the presidency in 92. After that was mm-hmm. a an army general called Fidel Ramos. Fidel Ramos was actually, I think he was defence minister uh, in the Marcos administration. Uh, so he was still quite implicated in uh, the corruption that surrounded Marcos. However, he was a very intelligent man and a good economic reformer. So he did manage to create a lot of growth in the country. After him was a B-grade film star called Jose Estrada. (laughs) Estrada uh, was famous for um, having strings of mistresses uh, around the country for uh, having these massive drinking sessions where he and his buddies would, on a whim, write presidential decrees at 3 o'clock in the morning and the next day they'd have to be handed for him so he could unsign them. His, Mm -hmm. His presidency lasted, I think, maybe not... Not even, not even three years, because he was impeached, and then he was basically chased out of the country for his flagrant uh, incompetence and corruption. And the person who replaced him, though, was the current president, who is Gloria Macapagal. Uh, so she was the vice president at the time, and so she, and she's since been re-elected once, and she's coming to the end of her term. Uh, she, Gloria Macapagal. Uh, was strongly criticised by Cori Aquino herself for having raised uh, corruption in the presidency to new heights, uh, especially through um, Gloria Macapagal's husband, who's called the first gentleman, I believe. So the first gentleman uh, has been exploiting his access to the to the uh, the presidential palace to uh, garner a lot of wealth for the Macapagal family in office. And the fear is that when mm-hmm. Macabagal leaves the leaves presidency, or their their own fear is that they are going to be thrown a whole lot of corruption uh, charges, both in the Philippines and in the U.S., where there are some corruption proceedings uh, in a couple of states against uh, Mike Macabagal.
0: Well, that's, I guess, good news in the end. The,
3: Yes, sir so the good news is that I think that there will be a strong uh upswell for Noi Aquino, someone who carries her his mother's uh sense of ethics uh but has learnt from her failures as a legislator
0: and he also has a funny name, so he has no
3: <laughs> and ladies, he's still single
0: Ooh. <laughs> ladies <laughs> all right. Good. To, uh, by the way, I haven't heard about this. Maybe it's because I didn't pay enough attention to international news, but haven't heard about any of this uh, in France. So maybe we don't well, care
3: I th- enough. I think the Philippines is off most people's radars. It's a, it's even off most people's radars in the Southeast Asia where it's located. <laughs>
0: uh, Jen, what's happening in your part of the oh, world? Oh, I
2: see. Now I'm feeling all challenged to come up with something that you haven't heard of. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Well... Um, I, I'd say the big thing going on here is, of course, our health reform. And sort of as you were saying about the carbon tax, I'm kind of scratching my head about this whole thing where we have a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress, and yet we still can't seem to get this thing right and push through. But um, the, uh, the health care debate is it continues on and it's caused a lot of sort of changes of the climate. Um, as can be demonstrated by the nine twelve march on Washington, um, you may have heard of a guy named Glenn Beck. Who's, oh my god! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a he's a shining beacon of um, conservative pundit. Um, so yeah, the nine twelve march happened. Um, they claim one point five million people marched. Uh, they're guessing it's about sixty to seventy thousand people were there. Um, I don't
0: wait, know wait, wait, s- wait. So Fox <laughs> News is saying one point five million.
2: Million, yeah.
0: And yeah. the authorities are saying 70,000?
2: Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. In fact, there was even a false photo that was released claiming that this was the that was um, showing the mall being filled and de- um, the main street that goes down past the mall being filled with people. And it turned out to be a photo from five years ago because <laughs> there was a missing building in the photo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, and then you may have seen in that, um, some of the coverage of that, the signs that have been shown, like the, it was really about it was supposedly the healthcare yeah, what, debate. What
0: were they spurred, marching for?
2: Well, you know, that's a, a lot of people were marching for a lot of different reasons. It turns out um, <laughs> It was spurred by the healthcare debate. There was a lot of. Um, uh, Stop big government. We don't want to be socialists. And a lot of really violent racist rhetoric about Obama. Um, it was no, mainly. They,
1: they, were, they were pissed off there was a black man in the White House. Oh,
2: why. yeah. They're still. Yeah. There's, but they're telling you that's not what it's about. They're saying, oh, no, it's the issues. It's the issues. But when you start seeing things like pictures of Obama on placards um, dressed as a tribesman with a bone through his nose, no, you, you kind of think that's kind of racist. You know? <laughs>
0: Just, Just a, call a me bit. Strange.
2: Call me strange but um so there's a lot of debate now about the role of race in the conversation and it's just it's kind of turned everything into a big mess in a lot of ways and unfortunately what the biggest casualty of that is the health care debate um so the latest that we're at is that we're trying to pass a bill that includes what's called a public option which would be that the government becomes an insurance provider um so that they would be competing with the private insurance providers um it's even that now is at a risk, and it may turn out that this big health care reform bill will be just a few more regulations on the insurance company, and that's it. Uh, uh, it'll do, be,
0: you, do you think that's because of that 912 project by Glenn Beck?
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I think okay. the 912 project is just an indication of where the conversation is going in a lot of this and where the rhetoric is going. Um, I think it's going to be a real indication as to how our next couple of election cycles are going to run. Um, and you know, we we've had a really horrible time of it with misinformation and, and elections and I think it's just going to it's just gotten a lot worse through this. Um, I think what's really moving and driving the healthcare debate right now is the insurance lobby and they are winning at this point and so it we there's even um what we call i don't know if you've heard of a term called blue dog democrats but these are yes. democrats yeah these are democrats that are more fiscally conservative and um these a few of the blue dogs there's one that was implicated in um receiving huge payouts from united health and and surprise surprise he happens to be against the public option right now um things like that have been going on so it's it's unfortunate but it seems to be that we'll be lucky at this point if our healthcare care um, reform involves um, government-supported insurance, that'll be the best we can hope for, and even that right now seems a bit risky. Like, can, it I
3: ask a, can I ask a question about this debate then? Is mm-hmm. there... Because I think outside the U.S., in most of the countries I've lived in, there's a general consensus that the U.S. health system uh, is extremely unjust, but what is is there not that same consensus within the US? Like what kind of proportions of people think it's the worst healthcare system in the Western world? What proportion think it's the best uh, healthcare system in the world?
2: There's a not-in-my-backyard mentality to this, and it, it pretty much splits pretty evenly. The voters that are in, in favour of reforming and having a, a public or at least increasing access to healthcare um, are the ones that don't have health care. And the ones that are in favor of keeping things the, the way that they are are the ones that do have health care. That's really what it comes down. There's a lot of people that in in theory say that it would be great to have universal health care. However, they're very happy with what they have and they see no reason to change it. And that's pretty much down the public opinion lines right now. Um, I think it's that's,
0: it's a lot of ignorance because the the fact of the matter is, as you were saying, Kerwin, I've been saying this before, but I guess it doesn't hurt to repeat it. The healthcare system, as it is in the U.S. now, even for people who do have healthcare, is incredibly expensive, and yes. is ranked what is it, thirty-seven?
2: Thirty-seven. In We're number thirty-seven. 37. Yep. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and and it it you you spend I think sixteen percent of your uh, gross domestic product on it, which is yeah, a lot more. more yeah, a lot more than other people. So. Basically, even the ones who think, yeah, we, what we have is great and whatever, we don't want to change it, don't realize that you're paying more for lesser service. Yes. And that's, yes. I don't understand how people cannot get this idea. It's probably a failing on, on the politi- politicians part also, which it's such a, a simple idea to convey. You are paying more. For less, for uh, well, less service. Well,
2: what it comes down to is who's controlling the conversation right now, and the unfortunately, the insurance lobby has the most control over this conversation. That's really what it comes down to. Which and is they're a the
0: ones on the on the on the Democrats' part, I think.
2: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's just pretty amazing that they've managed to lose control of this debate with a majority, both in the administration and in congress and they've managed to lose control of the debate but and it's it's kind of a shame I'll, I'll be curious to see how it turns out but you know i i've lived in situations i've lived under the nhs i've lived in the u.s being not covered by health care i've lived in the u.s with a pretty darn good health care plan and i would still prefer to have universal health care so yeah
0: all right let's um, hope it i'm sorry <laughs>
2: Oh, and I just wanted to give you one little thing to sort of chuckle at too, just in terms of ignorance. This is just a little tiny news, but in New Jersey, eighteen percent of the Republican voters in New Jersey believe that Obama is the Antichrist. Just to <laughs> 18%? let you know,
0: eighteen <laughs> percent
2: of Republican voters in New Jersey.
0: <laughs> wow. They, have,
2: yeah, they entered a poll with such with such. So just so that you know, And that's to know
0: New so. Jersey. It's not like I know. <laughs> I was going to say Alabama, but maybe I should. <laughs>
2: Okay, but yeah, I know what
0: you mean though <laughs> Oh, wow Alright, well, with that uh, I think that's gonna, that's gonna count as our, uh, and now for something completely different, Obama <laughs> is the Antichrist, apparently um, And that's gonna be it for us uh, today I want to thank you hey, guys Patrick, again I have
1: one, one thing, yes, it's a quick history Okay, so it, hurry up Apparently the last heir to the Ottoman Empire has just died
2: Yes, I did hear about that.
0: Oh, I didn't know. That's yeah. terrible. Uh, it means so that there'll it, be no
3: restoration. <sighs>
0: no. Well, <laughs> they might find a way. Maybe it's going to be the guy who where, who, who wields the bone of the light last heir to the <laughs> Ottoman Empire. He's going that to, is interesting
1: to uh, he, he was he was the grandson <laughs> of the last emperor. Yeah. And he died at the age of ninety-seven.
0: Oh. Uh, See, we we were having fun with that Antichrist story, and you bring us down again.
1: <laughs> it's Turkey, history. I'm just trying to put some history into this thank show. Thank you, and
0: and I thank you for it, Turkey. <laughs> All right, so that's really the the that's really it for us. Uh, I you might uh, understand that I have to be somewhere, so I'm trying mm-hmm. to hurry this along. Yep. Sorry.
1: No, no, no. Um, we're gonna keep you. You're not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> so again, uh, so you can follow. Uh, you can go and comment on the blog at thefiliusclub.com, which will take you to the central blog, which is frenchspin.com. You can send an email to filius at frenchspin.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com/notpatrick. You can follow Turkey at twitter.com/saudi, right? yep uh and anything uh, do you guys have websites or anything you you want to pimp
2: well i've got a twitter account but i'm not ready to pimp it yet it's got a few things in it but nothing yeah i just started actually i just followed you i just started following you
0: oh okay cool so So i'll i'll follow you back and maybe and yeah so we're gonna keep it secret
2: Uh, and i'll start making it worth following and then i'll pimp (laughs) it out
0: good (laughs) Kerwin. what about you do you have a website or something
3: uh, I'm, I've got something in development, but I think it'll take a couple of months before I'm ready to announce it.
0: Secrets. I like it. Secrets. It'll All be right. something
3: for the globe, for international men of mystery, such as ourselves.
0: <laughs> Good. We'll be looking forward to that. So thank you very much for being here, guys. It was a blast. Uh, I hope we will get the pleasure of, uh, having you again on the show at some point. And uh, thank you everyone in the chat room for being here also. And we will talk to you uh, listeners again in one month at the end of October. So talk to you soon, guys. Bye.